0: Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers, it's Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Welcome to your weekend. Follow me, tweet me, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. We've got the NFL Draft in a couple of Thursdays. The props available to bet are moving based on the news or information, whatever you want to call it, that we're getting on a daily basis from various newsmakers. We'll get to some NFL draft betting process and get a QB breakdown from one of the best analysts in the game, Matt Bowen. Jim Miller will drop by to chat about some points bet offerings and the May 1st Kentucky Derby. But first... The NBA play-in tournament is just over a month away. Maybe the Bulls will participate. Maybe they won't. So I figured it's a perfect time for a reset in the NBA. Is there still any value in any awards, any futures? Is there still something worth betting? Well, let's talk about that with Alex Christensen at underscore Noops on Twitter. He does a daily video stream and podcast. It's called Brown Bag Bets. He really focuses on the NBA and also tennis. He has a net worth pod going on. He writes at 444.com, just like our guy Rick Camp does some NBA props for him. So he's a very, very busy man. How you feeling today, Alex? It's a beautiful day in the
1: neighborhood, Joe. It's always fun talking with you, especially when we got some NBA futures to look at.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we have some new information as we're a month out from the regular season coming to a close. And I was very pleased when I came across the ESPN straw poll that was posted on Thursday as a Jokic Ticket holder, as are you, Uh, Tim Bontemps, NBA writer over there. He does this a few times throughout the season, and he tries to replicate the voting process for the NBA MVP. So he reached out to 101 media members, got their votes, first place through fifth place. And for those that don't know, what happens in the NBA MVP, there are at least two voters from each of the 28 NBA media markets. I expected Jokic to be the leader in the clubhouse with a month to go, but I didn't think it was going to be the landslide that the results showed. 90 of the 101 first place votes went to Jokic. Only five for your guy Embiid as a Sixers fan. And what what else stood out is, okay, Lillard got a couple. CP3 got a couple, arguably not even the best player on his team, but Phoenix is winning so many games Harden only got one, and you have to wonder, what would it be if he was healthy? Uh, LeBron didn't get Andy. What would it be if he was healthy? But the Giannis freeze completely written off the ticket. Voter fatigue is real. Zero votes for Giannis. That's yeah, pretty interesting.
1: I saw that. I mean, Giannis would be, if he won this year, a th- three time in a row winner. That happened very rarely. Um, Larry Bird did it, you know, all time great players. So I think that he could sort of get crossed out. And Jokic is really the last man standing. The MVP race is, I think, a really indicative and a good kind of, you know, smaller way of looking at how the season is gone. Everyone's gotten hurt. Or they've gotten sick or they've had players move around or all of these things have happened. And, and Jokic persists. Joel Embiid hurt his knee. Giannis and the Bucks have, have kind of slowed down. And again, you've got voter fatigue there. James Harden threw a hissy fit to start the year, and now he's hurt. LeBron James is hurt. Luka Doncic looked lost to start the year and is starting to get back, but hasn't made up enough ground. We'll circle back to Damian Lillard a little bit. And you know the rest of the names, as you look again, they're either on teams that aren't going to win enough games or injuries or things, but... Jokic persists. There he is every night putting up good numbers, doing everything he can to keep this Denver Nuggets team in a top four seed. I mean, these awards always come down to stories, Joe. you got to look for players on good teams, players on teams that have overcome some adversity and guys that um, are good and, you know, frankly, do well in some of those media interactions. And I think Jokic checks all the boxes at this point.
0: Last man standing is probably the perfect way to put it and no matter what book you check out right now he's going to be between -200 and -300 for Jokic to be the MVP a week ago and bead was 5 to 1 maybe the number is shorter now 3 to 1 plus 250 area uh because he had the national game the other day and he, and he just balled out through the first 3 quarters of that one what is your thought process right now I I've held out on hedging and i'm glad i did i've had long thoughts about buying a ticket on damian lillard i decided against it at one point in the season i was thinking man i'm gonna have to buy out of lebron james he's plus money right now maybe i should do that glad i didn't do that do we have to get an mb ticket or do we ride this out after seeing these results
1: i think if you have a Jokic ticket you're very much sitting in the catbird seat and i think you ride it out you know, as I look at the market, there probably is a little value in Lillard at 20 to one or better. He's had a very good season, and I think that Portland team could have a strong finish. And then beat again, plus 250. If the Sixers get a strong hold on the one seed, and you know maybe Denver can't keep it together and they fall down to kind of the fifth, sixth seed there, you know things might get a little bit dicey. But I don't see any reason to hedge. If you're inclined to do so, maybe take an Embiid ticket to cover your yogic stake, and take a Lillard ticket to cover your yogic stake, and maybe just a little bit more there. I think Lillard is the best value in the market, but I'm not placing any wagers unless yeah. I already have some. And I'm a little nervous. And even then I'm just letting my Jokic ride.
0: Yeah, we're on the same page. I'm not doing anything. Maybe the information changes a couple of weeks for now, but I, I don't really see any reason to do it.
1: Again, unless Jokic, you know, knock on wood gets injured, like some of these other guys, uh, we're in great shape at this point. So you just kind of let it ride. And if something like that happens, you can't count on that. You just kind of live with
0: it. Some of these other awards races, Alex, some are intriguing. Some seem to be done. So let's uh, let's go through some of them. Won't spend as much time on them. But um, maybe I'm a moron. Maybe I'm not, at least in this case with Rookie <laughs> of the Year. Earlier this week on BetQL Daily, I made the case that LaMelo Ball is definitely in play here in spite of only playing 41 games for Charlotte. I look at the other option as Anthony Edwards. Everyone loves Tyrese Halliburton, but I look at his numbers over the course of the year. I'm like, yeah, 13, 5, and 3, and he's in that Sacramento market. I just don't see the majority of media getting behind Halliburton as your Rookie of the Year winner. And Edwards, he's flashy. He has the high points per game total. But if you're into looking at efficiency, win shares, stuff like that, like Edwards is not up there. And LaMelo was so impactful when he was on the court. He was like minus 500 favorite uh, when he went down to that injury, if not higher at two to one over the last few days. This number has been shrinking a bit. I'm seeing now plus 175. I still think LaMelo and Anthony Edwards is a coin flip. What do you think? I I think
1: voters are going to look for any excuse to not back Anthony Edwards here. You know, you mentioned he puts up some of the nice counting stats, but Minnesota um, somehow has gotten below Detroit and even Houston at this point for the worst record in the league. They just stink night in and night out. And voters aren't going to be excited for voting for him when, like you said, they can look back and go, well, we'll just give it to LaMelo Ball because he was really the best before he got hurt. Or a guy like Halliburton who doesn't necessarily put up big counting stats, but a lot of the advanced stats look very good. He's driving a lot of positivity for Sacramento. And he continues to get better and better every night. But looking at the prices, you know Halliburton's right around two to one. Lamella Ball's right around one and a half to one. I don't know if I'm excited necessarily to bet either one. If you have a strong feeling either way, I don't think necessarily either is a bad bet. I have some Halliburton at a better number, so I'm good there. And I'm just I'm just avoiding LaMelo Ball. I think it's going to be really tough for him to get it, not having played all this time. Especially again, if Halliburton can find a way to drive the Kings into maybe playoff contention or Edwards. Starts to get putting up even bigger and bigger numbers.
0: Sure. This is early out to Joe Ostrowski Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest is Alex Christensen, a pro better at underscore noops on Twitter. Great job with the NBA and also tennis. Here's the award, Alex, that has confounded me the most. I mean, just the twists and turns, the number of times that the favorite has completely changed throughout the season. And it's the most improved player. At one point, I know a lot of uh, Bulls fans were putting money on Zach Levine. It looked like he had a shot at a big number, and uh, that seems to be going by the wayside. Right now, you can still find him at about 20-1 to 1 at points bet. But as always, shop around. Now Julius Randle is the favorite, and it's pretty significant at a number of minus minus two. 250 we've seen jeremy grant I, I would say he was a favorite for the majority of the season early on before all of the missed time, christian wood was also a favorite i don't know what to do with this award i understand why julius randall is a favorite new york media market but what we haven't seen much of is voters give it to a guy that averaged 20 points per game in the previous season so uh what do we do here alex
1: it's really tough. This is like the MVP market situation where you know Randall's again kind of the last man standing here. Grant was in great shape before he got hurt. I do wonder if there's a little value in him at plus 200, if he can have a nice last couple of weeks here to the season. Christian Wood was in great shape before he got hurt. I'm just concerned that Houston isn't interested enough in winning games for him to get enough attention. And then the rest of the names are guys like Porter Jr., Zion Williamson, Jokic, Levine, De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brown, players that are already very good and well-established. The and only way for them to win this award is to make the push through to that next tier to start him. And I don't necessarily know if anyone has done that. Maybe Jokic, but he's definitely not getting MVP and most improved. So it, it makes sense to me that Randall's the big favorite. I wonder if there is just a little bit of value in wood at 25 to one, just simply, like you said, you know, Randall doesn't have the season over season stat improvements we normally see, but it makes sense to me. He's the favorite. I don't know if the price of minus 300 necessarily makes sense, but at the same time, it's hard for me to find value elsewhere. Again, maybe Jeremy Grant, maybe Christian Wood, but just kind of thoughts more than wagers.
0: Yeah. Randall 23 points, 10 and a half rebounds per game. Last year it was 20 points and almost 10 rebounds per game. I thought the sixth man of the year was done. They handed it to Jordan Clarkson halfway through the year, and now we have a shift at the top of the odds board here. Is there a chance it isn't Clarkson?
1: Maybe it's Ingalls because the voters are going to get cute, but I don't see how it's not Clarkson. He fits the exact mold of what that they generally pick for in these six men of the year. It's someone who comes off the bench, provides a spark, a scoring energy, guys like Lou Williams, guys like Montrezl Harrell, guys like Jamal Crawford, and Jordan Clarkson is just built in that mold. He started a little bit. He's come off the bench. He's put up just great numbers over and over again. You know, Joe Ingalls has some pretty good advanced stats and things like that, but it seems to me like it's definitely going to be one of the jazz guys and i'm 90 something percent sure it's going to be clarkson unless you know again knock on wood um he gets hurt and even that he might just have a big enough lead already
0: that makes a ton of sense so we're in the section uh, of the awards where it's all jazz guys leading the way And, (laughs) and part of me just knowing voters i just think they don't want to give give all of these awards to people associated with the jazz they might not even be the number one seed here uh defensive player of the year Is this one going to a jazz player? Rudy Gobert, the runaway favorite right now, minus 400, or is it your guy? The second favorite, Ben Simmons, been locked out all season.
1: I love Ben Simmons. I think there's definitely value in him at this number. Um, I'm going to look around when we're done. I'm looking at plus 230. I wonder if there's a plus 250 or even better out there. I think this is just a great spot for him. Rudy Gobert, has been very good but he's a big man i think it's a little easier for him to get attention in this war award where simmons is now really starting to build up some following and he's starting to talk about it very loudly and there are more and more people pointing out not just how good of a defensive player he is but the variability to his game the types of players he can guard you know as much as i wonder if voters are gonna maybe hold this against him i did like his little comment the other day you know um I don't know how Rudy Gobert can be the defensive player of the year when I scored 42 points on him the other night, and <laughs> I'm not much of a scorer. So I think that he's already starting to build that up, and I think this is probably closer to a coin flip than the market is suggesting. So I actually like the odds on Ben Simmons here. I think there's some value in these numbers.
0: I love it. Uh, do you guys have points bet in PA? Because I see a plus 350.
1: <laughs> not yet, but I'm close to the river. Maybe I'll go uh, drive over <laughs> the bridge and scoop some of that up.
0: It might be worth it because you're right. As I look around, we're looking at plus 240, plus 250, but uh, it looks like they have the best number at plus 350. What about like Quinn? Yeah. What about Quinn Snyder? I have a Snyder ticket. I got Malone and Snyder before the season at 25 to 1. Uh, we're riding out the Jokic MVP at 36. Should I do the same with Snyder or do I need to be worried? I mean, Alex, I keep hearing people try to pump up Tibbs. I don't understand it. Like, yes, they are exceeding expectations. They're in the lesser conference, but they're up in the middle of the pack of the playoff picture. It's a four seed. Like, okay, good job. But to win this award, you have to be a one or a two.
1: As you start to look at it, I think, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the New York media is at work there with Tibbs. He's a fun guy to, to bet on from a regular season perspective. He's exactly what you want from a coach. The intensity the next spring every night has been great. As you start to look at the coach of the year award, I think, again, this similar to defensive player of the year. It's a two horse race. It's going to be Snyder or it's going to be Monty Williams, in my opinion. I think whoever basically gets the one seed in the West is in great shape to win that award. So, you know, when I look at situations like that, um, Monty Williams is plus 110, Snyder's minus 167. If I had a Snyder ticket, I'd probably cover my stake with some Monty Williams. If I didn't have any tickets, I probably wouldn't bet on it. You know, if you could get Monty Williams at like plus 150 or something like that, you know, hunt around and see what you can find. I think there's some value, you know, in that range, but the plus 110 I'm seeing, I'm only looking at Monty Williams maybe to cover my Snyder stake.
0: This is early out to Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score of my guest, Alex Christensen at underscore noops on Twitter. Great job betting the NBA and also tennis. What about division? Uh, with this much time left in the season, is there any value on the board? It wasn't that long ago. That there was some value with the Dallas Mavericks in the Southwest when they were not your leader and anybody could look ahead and see, oh boy, do they have an easy schedule? That's probably a pretty good bet. I wouldn't say they have a stranglehold on the division, but they have a somewhat comfortable lead. Is there any value anywhere else?
1: Dallas does more or less have a stranglehold because they actually have the tiebreaker over Memphis at this point. Um, division odds are tough. As you, as you start to look, the only value I see at this point is Miami, but not yet. Miami is in a really brutal stretch right now. They're in the middle of an um, eight-game and 12-night um, schedule run here, and I think things are going to be a little tough. But next week, they get to play Atlanta. They go to Atlanta, and that's a chance for them to basically make up a game in the division. Um, If they beat Atlanta, you know that obviously moves them up. And I think that puts them in good positions. That should be April 23rd. I think on April 23rd, I'm going to be opening up books and looking around to see what the best number I can get on the Miami Heat to win the division. Because I think if they win that game, they have a chance to overtake Atlanta and win there. And I, I think we'll get Um, that it's a nice plus odds. I mean, if you bet it today, I am looking at plus 150. That's a pretty solid number. I would actually play that, but I'm going to wait because I think we can do a little better.
0: Okay, perfect. So there's stills value out there. Always uh, be shopping. Always be hunted for some plays. Let's throw the conference and title odds in the same bucket. Let's start with the team's. In the East, uh, since I'm in the Eastern Conference territory, as are you, with the Sixers, uh, the Nets, one of the most intriguing stories. Are they ever going to play together before the postseason gets started? Uh, it's amazing. They're, they're big three. And then it's the Bucs. Giannis is back on the court. Good for them. But the defense has been an issue all season. Who knows? Maybe they're going to be firing their head coach at the end of the year if they don't make a run.
1: As I start to look at the East this time of year, I'm I'm starting to make my list of teams that I think that could actually win the title. And I'm down to four teams in the East, the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat. As I look at everyone else, even the Boston Celtics, I just see teams that either don't have the top end talent or have too many holes that they're going to be able to be exposed by some of these better teams. Now, as I start to look at that group, the Nets are the favorite to win the East. I'm looking at minus 106. So they're probably right around minus 110, even money. I still continue to worry about them. I've been on a bunch of shows all year. There is a ton of recorded material of me being concerned about the Nets, wondering if they really can all three play together, which they really haven't done yet. If not having a rim protector is something they were going to stick to, and it is, you know, we saw Lamarcus Aldridge. Even if he didn't retire, he's not the rim protector that they really needed. They are going to be leaning on DeAndre Jordan a lot more than frankly I would want to if I were an NBA team in 2021. So as I look at some of those other teams, you know, the Bucks are plus 250. I think that this is the end of, my, of Mike Budenholzer unless Giannis finds some other level and just goes totally nuclear, which I think he can do. I think he has not a high probability, but there's a greater than 0% chance he just goes total nuts and rips through the playoffs. I'm not counting on it. I'm certainly not betting on it with them to win the East at plus 250, but the Sixers at plus 450 to win the East, the tiebreaker over the Nets, a one-game lead in the conference, and it means that they have to they don't have to see the Nets until the finals. I think the Sixers are going to be in great shape. I love that plus 450. I think that's good value. And worst case, I think they're going to get all the way to the finals, and you'll have a chance to maybe buy out of that if you want. But I like the Sixers at plus 450. And the Heat, you know, they're not quite there yet, but they're right around 12 to one. I think there's just a little value in that number. Again, if they can sort of coalesce a little bit after having started the season with a lot of injuries, a lot of illness concerns, and if Oladipo can get healthy and be, you know, even 75 percent of what he once was, I think that team can be a little bit scary. And there's probably just some value in that number. But the Sixers are probably my favorite bet on the board right now um, from both a conference and a championship perspective, given how optimistic I am about them to win the East.
0: Alex, I'm not going to fight anyone that says the Nets have too much talent. I certainly understand. And it seems like they don't really care about having home court right now. But the, the most fascinating aspect of that team is the coaching Because it is a different game when you get to the postseason. So if they're in a tight spot, they fall behind in a series. What is Nash going to have?
1: You know, he's got three guys that are great one-on-one scorers. The best thing the Nets have, and and really one of the most valuable things teams need in the NBA, if you kind of take a step back from a macro perspective and and look at all the successful teams, they have more than one creator. They have more than one ball handler who can initiate. The Sixers have Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, and they even use Joel Embiid in that way. The Nets have three guys, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, all who are just, I mean, those are three arguably the best one-on-one scorers ever to play the game, let alone guys who are in the league right now. So it, it really it might just be that we're on the precipice of some sort of new NBA where it's just score as many points as you can. The Nets are going to look at everybody and go, we're putting up 150. You getting there? Cause you're probably not. I'm not ready for that. Or well, maybe I am ready for that. I don't know. And, and, I'm just wondering, I'm curious if if we finally got to the point now where we're finally going to see some of these offensive teams win. Because as you look through history, it's all defense, even those Warriors teams, offensively, they were great and historical, but the defenses were even better. I mean, if defense matters, it's going to be a Sixers versus Clippers, maybe a, a Heat versus Lakers finals. And then those are the teams that are going to be rugged and be able to play defense and keep those games tight during the playoffs. But Maybe this is a new NBA, Joe. Maybe this yeah. is the future. Maybe it's the Nets putting up 150 a night and not really worrying about stopping the other team.
0: Good points uh, with Pro Better. Alex Christensen early out to Joe Ostrowski on 670. The score. OK, let's go to the West. There are like 80 storylines out there. It's like you need a segment for each team. You've got the Jazz and the Suns up top like they have been much of the year. The three right now, we've got the Clippers. We're, we're not really sure what to expect right now, and most of the year they have not had a point guard. How is Paul George going to perform in the postseason? Denver Nuggets, brutal injury to Murray. It feels like their season is going to be a wrap once we get to the postseason. I mean, we can go on and on, and let's not forget about the Lakers, who seem to be just fine being in that 4-5 matchup in round number one, and then they'll be facing the overall number one seed next.
1: In the West is is very interesting because we, when you started the year, it was like, all right, we're going to have some L.A. teams, and maybe Denver will be interesting. And now you look at the top, and it's Utah and Phoenix, two teams that have been great in the regular season. To be perfectly honest, I am not counting on the Utah Jazz winning a bunch of playoff series and even making the Western Conference Finals. I think that they'll fold like a chair just like they do every year. This is a regular season team. I I don't see what their next level is. The NBA playoffs is about being able to take what you did in the regular season, add some sort of variant to it and step it up to another gear. Championship contenders like the Sixers, like the Nets, like the Clippers, even the Lakers, if they get healthy, all have the ability to do that. I just don't see that in Utah. Phoenix yeah. is interesting, you know, they're probably the best value on the board around nine to one to win the Western Conference. But I wonder how that team is going to do, again, translating the success they've had in the regular season into the playoffs. Is Chris Paul finally, is this going to be the year he actually makes it all the way through the playoffs without getting hurt? Is DeAndre Ayton and Dario Saric going to be able to play in an NBA playoff series a lot of minutes? I mean, as a huge Sixers fan, I love Saric, but did not miss him going out the door. He is going to get played off the stinking floor every single night by better athletes in the playoffs as teams learn to plan and learn to attack him when he's on the floor defensively so I kind of take a pass on Utah and Phoenix that leaves us with the Clippers you know the Lakers when LeBron and Anthony Davis come back yes they might be great but I think it's going to be hard for them to put it all together and make that run at the end of the season like that the Nuggets they're missing Jamal Murray and and everybody else you know I kind of put by the wayside so that leaves me with the Clippers again I guess the theme of, of the season being last team standing and last man standing they've got the best players they've got the best defense i think rondo is going to help them in a big way and they seem to just be kind of comfortably chugging along night in and night out i'm curious to see if they try to you know go hard here at the end of the season to make a move for the number one or number two seed but i think as you go through and you start to cross all these names off the clippers is the one that remains
0: process of elimination works as you're going through that you know what i'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the one or the two seed going out in the first round. Dallas is not a fun (laughs) matchup for the first round of the postseason. This is your big reward for winning all those games. Dallas,
1: Memphis, Golden State, Um, if the Pelicans can make it up there, I think that's going to be a scary team, you know, with all those big guys attacking the basket. It is. The the West is going to be really tough. And again, if you're Utah and you're Phoenix and anything starts to go wrong, I wonder how that goes. And, you know, again, if you're Utah and you make it through that first round series with Memphis, Then you have the Lakers or the Nuggets, and if it's the Lakers, it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and if it's the Nuggets, it's a team that's beaten you, I think, every year for the last few years and just absolutely owns you. A really tough road for them, and again, Phoenix, if Chris Paul could stay healthy, maybe they could be competitive, but I think, again, their big men are going to really struggle defensively, and I'm not counting on Chris Paul playing um, all the way through the finals.
0: Alex, I want to squeeze in a tennis question because I know there are a lot of tennis betters uh, listening right now out there Too early odds. You've got the French Open starting the day before the NBA play-in tournament. Those will be fun times for you with all the content that you'll be pushing out. Is now a good time to look at some French Open futures or might as well just wait?
1: I am a big proponent of looking early at some of these futures Now it's a little different from a men's and women's side the men's game is dominated by a few players specifically on clay Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic Rafael Nadal as everyone knows at this point I think he's almost at like 20 French Open some outrageous number this is his tournament they're going to name something after him when he retires if he ever retires and and stops playing this event I am a proponent of, of going out and looking early you know, from the men's side, Nadal's a big favorite, minus 125, not not much value there. As you start to look down, you know, some of the bigger numbers, a guy like Casper Rude at 150 to one, they're playing um, a master's 1000 event. That's a level below the grand slams and Casper and Rude's making a nice run there. So somebody like him, I would target at 150 to one on the women's side. Um, unfortunately, it looks like odds are actually closed. I guess there's a women's tournament going on right now. As you start to look ahead, you know, start to look for some big bigger numbers. you know. Anybody 20 to 1 or higher, 25 to 1 or higher, that's really where you're going to find value early and start to take a look at the landscape. What tournaments are coming up? Who's playing there? And if you think a player is going to have a success in weeks coming up to Roland Garros, start to look in the market for some futures and get ahead of those numbers. Um, some players like Tamara Zidancic is going to be at a really high number. She's going to be a she should be greater than 100 to 1 is somebody that stuck out to me she's been playing very well finished second in bogota recently so look for some names like that and i'll be sure to tweet out a couple as we build up to that but i think if you are a tennis better early on futures is better than
0: later perfect that's alex christensen on twitter at underscore noops a weekday video stream slash podcast. It's called Brown Bag Bets. He's got the Net Worth Pod, which is a, a tennis pod, and he's got NBA props at 444.com are, are we competitors? Have we realized that since you guys started up uh, Brown Bag Bets, I think, DiMolitor?
1: <laughs> well, it, it's you know it's a little different angle, a little different yes. voice. You guys, um, I think probably if I'm being honest, have a little more polished show, and it's a little more long form with more guests every day, whereas Brown Bag Bets is just kind Andy and I ripping for 20 to 30 (laughs) minutes every day. We do have a couple guests. The good news is in this day and age, Joe, you can listen to both. Uh Pick one, watch it live, and then grab the podcast later. Ours comes on immediately afterwards. I know that yours comes out pretty quickly, if not immediately afterwards. So I don't think of us as competitors, just cohabitators of the sports media space.
0: And it's a big, big, growing sports betting media space here and and have you heard the nfl's in? they decided yeah this gambling thing's gonna stick around we'll take the uh,
1: that's pretty good it's pretty quick for them um the nba was the first on board i've been waiting for these other leagues to jump on but for the nfl to come in and, and be able to do it with three partners like that that was the most interesting piece to me
0: alex great information and let's talk once we get close to the start of the postseason all right
1: absolutely joe i'm looking forward to it have a great weekend and we'll talk soon
0: There's Alex Christensen, and we were referencing my weekday show slash podcast, BetQL Daily, where we've done a lot of NFL draft coverage lately, strategy tips, and some quarterback evaluation from Matt Bowen coming up next. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9, on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Early odds to Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score. And you can also catch me on BetQL Daily weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on the Odyssey app. You got the Odyssey Sports YouTube stream or just subscribe to the BetQL Daily podcast. We'll get to Matt Bowen in a moment. Adam Levitan from Establish the Run was on the show this week. And we hit on consuming all these draft reports and rumors, plus timing your draft prop bets. Take a listen.
3: Like most markets, it's almost always better to bet early, and especially in the draft prop market where a lot of these books, I mean, they're just putting this up. Mostly, I think, for marketing and promotional purposes, you certainly can't get big limits on on draft props but you know if you have a smaller bankroll you want to bet 100 200 300 something like that i think it's very possible to pick off some really really bad lines and so you'll see things early on in the process where the lines are so far off by book you know mgm might have something at plus 150 and fanduel could have it as much as plus 300 and you see these huge huge gaps in where the market is um, by sight. And so I think that's one thing to look out for early on. But yeah, I mean, you know, things swing quickly based on rumors and based on reports. And so, you know, you had the Adam Schefter stuff last week with Mac Jones, which we should get into, and that just completely, you know, sent the market out of whack on Mac Jones' draft position on who will be taken at number 3 overall. And so there's big prices to be had at times where people, I think, are more confident in information than maybe, Uh, they should be and so you know there's a lot that goes into it but paying attention to both the reports the mocks team needs player talent I mean it's all part of it and that's why I think it's actually just a really really interesting market as a whole.
0: Would you suggest for people that are starting to jump in over the next couple of weeks to correlate all of your NFL draft props if you can? Yeah I don't think you
3: have to you know Um, yeah these props are Correlated, but you can find such crazy prices. I mean, if you want to pick off some some arb spots, you you can definitely do that. You know, um, there's spots where you can get plus one fifty on two guys, and if really you think a, a spot only comes down to two guys, I mean, you can do that stuff all day by shopping. And so, yeah, I, you know, the correlated stuff. I, you know, if you're going for a big score, I think that makes sense. You know, Mac Jones over three and a half, and Justin Fields to be the number three pick, or Mac Jones over three and a half, and Trey Lance to be the number three overall pick. I mean, yeah, you know, you can certainly correlate that way and go for some big outcomes. And, and yeah, you know, if if, if the limits are maybe too low for your bankroll, I think correlating more uh, can get you there uh, in a different way.
0: Just some ideas on how to attack NFL draft props from Adam Levitan. The quarterbacks at the top are the stories in this draft. Most of us thought Mac Jones going to San Francisco at three. And now, who knows? Here's outstanding NFL analyst and one of our own over at ESPN, Matt Bowen, just yesterday on BetQL Daily.
2: Well, I would just say this. If I was making the pick, I would, I would choose Justin Fields from Ohio State. I would bet on the high-end traits, the physical tools he brings to the position. I do think he can fit in a schemed offense the same way we saw last year with Justin Herbert in the L.A. offense. You know, scheme throws, scripted verticals down the field. Use the traits, the mobility on movement concepts. And you can also scheme them as a runner. Same thing we saw with Herbert. And I do believe that Justin Fields is a pocket thrower that can be schemed as a runner. You use those dual threat traits inside the low red zone plus 10-yard line and end in third and two to six situations. And I think in today's NFL, guys, yes, you have to – I'll say this first. You have to make the routine throws. Well, you understand that. You have to be able to throw from the pocket. So with anticipation, location, and make the routine throws. But also with that movement ability, I think it gives you so much more options from an offensive structure. And you have that second reaction ability. When your primary and secondary reads are taken away, when you feel pressure. that ability to escape, extend, and create as both a runner and a thrower, I think that's what Justin Fields gives you in terms of playing in a schemed offense in San Francisco. So if I had to make the pick, I would take Fields' over Jones. And that's not a knock that says Jones can't produce that system. I think he could, guys. You know, Jones is that anticipatory thrower who does win with accuracy and location. I do think he'd be a fit in San Francisco. But if I'm in that position, a top five pick, I want a quarterback with high-end traits. And you get that more with Justin Fields.
0: Matt, we haven't seen a draft like this before. That After those first couple of picks, like you mentioned, it really starts at three. You're right. And then after that, I don't know what we know. We didn't have a combine. Right. We, we had some of these top players not play college football last year. You didn't right. have any private workouts. It doesn't have to be strictly quarterback, which is obviously the number one storyline going in. But what do you think we know? Other fits, other positions? Do we really know anything?
2: Uh, I think we know as much as the, the tape is going to tell you. And I think it's really a lot of projecting the season because of the reasons you just said, Joe, um, because the evaluation process has been cut down. But you can always rely on the, on the game tape. You have to rely on the tape, your college scouting department, your coaching staff, how these prospects fit on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, what their developmental track is expected to be. But there is going to be, I believe, a tougher time this year in a complete evaluation. So, what do we know? Obviously, we. I think, Joe, we know that we could see five quarterbacks in the top ten to draft. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a, again. A very high-level wide receiver class. We understand that. But outside of the top 10, I think there's going to be picks that we didn't anticipate, Joe. And when you get the back half of the first round, I think there's going to be a lot of names in the back half of the first round that are not in the mock drafts we see daily now in our business.
0: And Matt, I think you're right about uh, the quarterbacks probably going to see five go in the top 10. And history tells us two or three of these five are going to be busts that's that's just what we know that's that's what's happened time and time again maybe even four which quarterback of the five uh has the most question marks
2: oh man that's tough that's really tough i I think you could oh let's put it this way
0: i think this is an easier way
2: to answer i think there are certain things you can question right joe you can question Mac jones um and his lack of high-end movement ability in today's nfl You can question Trey Lance's lack of experience and the competition he played at the collegiate level. I I wrote a report on Trey Lance, and I said he did not see consistent NFL competition or consistent NFL situations at North Dakota State. You can question the competition that Zach Wilson saw last year, you know, a non-Power 5 schedule, and his one-year really high-level production at BYU. With these quarterbacks, you can question a lot of things. I don't know which quarterback is going to be a bust. And I've always said about the NFL, and for every position player, but more so for quarterback, the system, the opportunity, the situation matters more than anything. The talent around you matters more than anything. That's why I think if you're talking about San Francisco at number three, you want the best situation, that's the team. Mm
0: -hmm. That's the
2: team that has a roster that can contend for a playoff spot right now that has the offensive line, has the run game that you can lean on, has the skill talent at the wide receiver in the tight end position. You want a great situation, if I'm one of these quarterbacks, that's where I want to go.
0: Amazing intel from Matt Bowen. You can check out the full conversation and other awesome interviews all week by subscribing to the BetQL Daily Podcast. Would it mind it if you left us five stars and a review on iTunes? In fact, I'd appreciate it a ton. Please do so. The run for the roses is two weeks away and points bet has some cool promos. Hawthorne's Jim Miller is next. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Sports bettors, are you ready? Download the PointsBet app now and use our code WSCR to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. When you bet with PointsBet, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, and faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the app now to experience this premium sportsbook for yourself. And don't forget to sign up with our code WSCR to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So... Are you ready? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670. The score. And let's bring in Jim Miller like we do every Saturday around this time. Jim joins us on the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Follow Jim on Twitter from Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Jim at Hawthorne Jim. He's the on air analyst over there. And uh, Jim, We've got to remind the people the best way to get the points bet app. Uh, it's been in place now a couple of weeks. If you didn't take advantage of the remote registration, you have one of three locations where they can get that done, correct?
4: Yeah and that's the thing and Joe you you talk about it now especially because you have to register in person things have kind of changed for the complexion there because for the population base with so many people located to the north, really the three Hawthorne locations are your best locations. So you have Hawthorne Racecourse, then we have our Crestwood OTB location and our Prospect Heights location that covers a whole lot of the population base here in northern Illinois. But you're right, you have to register in person now. You can go on out, you can check out some of these locations. Once you get registered, you can still play on your mobile application, but you do have to show up in person now.
0: And you will see some advantages using points bet that uh, I'll be frank, you know, I've got all the apps on my phone, but you don't see it everywhere. Like if you're betting the NBA, if you're betting Major League Baseball on a daily basis, I was looking at some underdogs. I'm like, okay, uh, I like this underdog in this specific matchup in baseball. Okay, plus 145 on this site plus 146 here and then boom plus 159 over at points bet uh you're going to see those sorts of differences if you're betting the nba right now on a nightly basis you can grab your team like the other day i grabbed the bucks in the afternoon game it was minus nine and a half and the juice was minus 103 on both sides you don't see that elsewhere
4: right and that's the thing And, and we really do encourage people you want to shop around for your prices and what we're finding now Points, but seems to be offering a lot more competitive prices than a lot of other locations, but you do have to do your homework. I play a lot of player props in the NBA. I see that happen on that end. A lot of the Chicago teams, you're going to see these boosts in that you're going to see a little bit more of a better line through points, bet, especially with the bears, the bears is always going to provide you the best line when you get into the NFL in the fall. But we really, we do encourage you to shop around all of those sites are out there. It's all easily accessible. But so many times, Joe, especially recently, a lot of times in the NBA, I'm seeing that better line come out of points, but so we do. We want to encourage everybody to go out there, check for these different options. And a lot of times, especially with like the name of wager setup, you can just ask questions of points bet, and they're going to give you a response too.
0: And for the most part, because we have an odds board and we can see what's happening at the Vegas books, the point spreads and the totals or runs scored in baseball, those are all the same. The juice right. is what's different. But right. I, I mentioned it on Twitter the other day that if you're into betting some props, like let's say uh, with baseball strikeout props, I will go from site to site to check them all out, and you will see different numbers on these pitchers. Okay, big-time strikeout pitcher going to gets a team that strikes out a bunch, like the Cubs. Uh, we saw that a whole bunch this week. Yep. Some sites have the opposing pitcher 8.5. Others have them at
4: 9.5. Yeah. And you do have to check that out because you that that's a drastic amount too when you're talking about MLB and you're talking about those props. And you're right. So often it does come with the player props. And think about it, Joe. One major league game on points bet is going to offer 134 wagering options. So they're out there. It's not just the line. It's not just who's going to win straight up. It's so much more that you have to look into. But the value comes there, and the value don't, does come with the juice. I mean, like you mentioned, the difference between Plus 143 and plus 159 is rather drastic, especially with the more money people put down. But this is it's worth time taking the time to shop your odds. Once you register in person, you get the app. You have to look around, and, and you're going to find this value through PointsBet so often.
0: Jim, I know some people that bet home run props on a daily yep. basis. They pick a group of four to five players each day to bet on. Uh, but I know there's a promo at PointsBet for Cubs and Sox home run insurance, right?
4: Yeah, and they've been running this promo for a couple of weeks, showing and it is. It's home run insurance on any Cubs or Sox game. Now, if you pick a player in those games, and you can put upwards of a $25 wager on them to hit a homer, if they don't Homer, but your team still wins, then you're going to get that money back in site credit. And it's worth going after because you know, the value for these guys to hit a home run is so great. I mean, Adam Eaton's done it multiple times. He's got three homers on the season. It's always a great return for your buck. You're mean Mercedes. This is the guy who, who's a superstar now in Chicago, same way. So you look at that, find a couple of guys. You can get that return through the home run insurance. And it is, it's a nice return. It's right there on the promos page of points, Bet we're checking out.
0: This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, a regular on the show, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. And if you missed the show last week, I highly suggest you go check out the podcast. If you're going to be betting the Kentucky Derby, Jim, which is just two weeks away. We took a deep dive into it, but I want to hit on the results because sometimes we're always looking ahead, looking ahead. What are we going to bet today? Let's talk about how much the results of last week matter uh, with these preps races going on. We had the Arkansas Derby. That is one of the big preps races. Superstock, your winner. We talked about concert tour finished in third place anything notable from the arkansas derby
4: the thing that was the most notable was that concert tour didn't win going away because everybody expected the horse to do so only in a six horse field and i think betters wanted to see that for the fact that that probably would have provided your favor for the kentucky derby and concert tour but this was a horse that was pushed every step of the way in the arkansas derby by cattle river who was the horse we played in the race run it up running second and then Superstock just swooped by them all in the lane. So kind of what it told you is, hey, if Concert tours is pushed along in the Derby and the pace is most likely going to be contested because you have so many horses, this is a horse that may not be able to continue on for that mile and a quarter distance. So then it opens it up to so many other horses. So that's kind of what we determined there is, hey, one, we don't have this horse that's going to be a very heavy favorite in the Kentucky Derby this year, and 2 It looks like it's anybody's race, and if there is a little bit of a contested pace, somebody could come flying at odds of 20 or 30 to 1 in the Derby.
0: What about the races today?
4: Yeah, we got three horses today to look at, Joe. Start out at Hawthorne at race number six. Bet this horse across the board, the 12-horse Tis Suzanne Ann. This is a turf sprint. This horse is 20 to 1 and should come flying late. Then $2 million races at Oaklawn Park. Race nine, the Oaklawn Handicap. Bet the four-horse Warriors charge across the board. And then in a race number 11, the million-dollar Apple Blossom. Bet the six, Montemoy Girl, just to win. She's a superstar, and she'll be fun to watch.
0: Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse. Follow him on Twitter, at Hawthorne Jim. Jim, will talk next week. We're only 14 days away from the Derby.
4: Yeah, we can start kind of previewing the race a little bit. And in just a
0: couple of weeks, we're going to have the odds in the entire field. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Joe. If you missed any of the last hour, a reminder that you can always use the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app or subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. The fellas will get that up shortly. The NFL Draft and an NBA reset on futures and awards earlier this hour. Fresh sports betting angles and interviews five days a week on my podcast, BetQL Daily. You just search BetQL Daily on the podcast catcher of your choice or you have the option to listen live 9 a.m. to noon on the Odyssey app. Check out the Odyssey Sports YouTube page and on 105.9 FM HD2, the bet here in Chicago. Talk Monday at BetQL Daily inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. So catch some tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,